God's grace, mercy, and peace, they're yours from the Father and from our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Amen. The word of God for our sermon this morning is the epistle that was read earlier from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. Dear fellow believers in our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, Paul was in prison when he wrote those words of Philippians chapter 4, under house arrest, really, but he was certainly being detained against his will. And yet Paul was still full of joy. He says in our scripture, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. See, even though he was, as he says later, in chains, even though he was incarcerated, right? Even though he couldn't freely travel about the Roman Empire wherever he wanted to go, Paul was still full of joy. What a message for us as we run up to, East, run up to Christmas. God wants us Christians, you see, to have joy. To express joy. To sing joy. To radiate joy in everything that we do. What a message for us, because I know that you and I have issues that seek to rob us of our joy. Real issues, serious things in our lives that are not so joyful in themselves. We have aches and pains in our bodies. We have relationship problems with other people. We, we have things that go wrong in our families. We have people that we have to work with out there in the marketplace who simply are not very pleasant people. We have violence out in our society and all kinds of, of cultural and national issues to deal with. But in spite of all of these upsetting situations, Christmas is coming this week. Christmas is coming next Sunday. And there's a reason for joy as we celebrate it. And so today God tells us through his word, rejoice in the Lord always. And there are three reasons here in this scripture text that was read tell us why we are able to rejoice in the Lord always. First off, it's because we have his peace. And secondly, it's because we can pray to him. And thirdly, it's because his return is near. Let's go to the end of our text to begin with to see our first reason for rejoicing. It's right there in verse 7 in your text. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, Paul writes. We are joyful because we have God's peace. You know, during this season, we hear this message of peace on earth, goodwill toward men a lot. There's a lot of talk about peace between peoples, peace between nations between races. It's understandable that people have been longing for this kind of peace, 
For obviously there's a tremendous lack of such peace in our world the way it is around us. Huh? We long for people to get along. Huh? For people to stop their fighting with others. We long for that because it's happening so much all around us. Huh? Husbands and wives going at it like cats and dogs, right? Parents and children doing battle with each other. Police and citizens duking it out. Democrats and Republicans at each other's throats. Bosses and employees trying to get the better of one another. On and on it goes. Conflict. Warfare. Why all this anger and fighting and quarreling around us? Well, the Bible answers that. It's pretty simple. It's sin, huh? It's the fact that mankind, we are imperfect, flawed people who by birth are angry with God. Because our vertical relationship with God is out of whack by nature, our horizontal relationship with other people is out of whack too. Now, you maybe don't like to admit it, but you and I are, are angry with God in our natural state. You and I hate God by birth, just like Adam and Eve did after they fell into sin, when God had to come after them and chase them down like a bloodhound. Huh? The Bible says the sinful mind is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law. Nor can it do so. We shouldn't be surprised when we rebel against each other since the Bible says by birth we've already rebelled against God. Plus that anger also goes in the other direction from God to us. Yes, the Bible says that God is angry with the human race because of its sin. Why else would there be diseases and tragedies and storms and floods and huge deserts and Wisconsin winters on this planet, huh? The Bible says we are by nature objects of God's wrath. So don't believe all those Pollyanna people of this Christmas season who say all is sweetness and light and peace and love because mankind is so intrinsically good. It just ain't so. Until you talk about Jesus. Then there's a reason for rejoicing because Jesus is God's peace. And the only way to deal with anger in this world is to see that anger has been overwhelmed by the love of God. God's love for us, not our love for him. For God took out all of his anger, of all sin, of all people, of all time, on his own son, Jesus Christ. The Bible says God made him to be sin for us in order to make us the righteousness of God in him. God vented all of his holy anger on Jesus, and it all climaxed on that day we call Good Friday. And because of that, there is now peace between the holy God and the sinful human race. There's the reason to rejoice, 
not only at Christmas time, but always in our lives. Jesus has satisfied an angry God and has made peace for us with him. And it's because Jesus was born in Bethlehem that set that all into motion that we can rejoice in the Lord always. My dear fellow believers, the problems of this world are spiritual problems. And what people need in this life is a spiritual solution, the power of Jesus and his gospel over their hearts and over their minds. That's what Paul is referring to here in our scripture text when he says, the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Paul here is referring to this daily aspects of living out our Christian lives. Our hearts, those are our wills. And our minds, that's our thinking ability. And we need the gospel to drive both aspects. We need the good news of Jesus to dictate our decision-making, what we determine to do as we work and as we play and as we interact with others. And we need the good news of Jesus to dictate our thinking ability, our evaluation of good and bad, our judging of what's right and what's wrong. When the gospel of Jesus grabs a hold of our hearts and our minds, then we are able to rejoice in the Lord always. Our second reason to rejoice in our scripture text for today is there in verse 6. Here Paul writes, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. We can rejoice in the Lord always because we can pray to him. Because of Christmas, we can pray. The baby Jesus, you see, allows us to talk to God and know that those prayers have been heard and answered. Without Jesus, all people can do is pray to some false god, to an idol, to a figment of their own imagination. God simply doesn't hear the so-called prayers of people who talk to God without Jesus Christ. Such so-called prayers of people are not really prayers at all, but empty babblings to an idol. Huh? If you have an emergency in your home, you can't pick up your cell phone and, and dial you know, any old number on that cell phone. Right? You're not going to get help by doing that. Huh? There are three digits that you have to dial in case of an emergency, 911. That will connect you to the right people. So also it is with God. People can only pray to God if they pray to Him in the name of Jesus. It's because of Christmas that we can pray. Now, the reason that we can rejoice whenever we pray to God through Jesus. It's that God hears and answers every single one of those prayers. That's because Jesus gives us access to God the Father. Praying in the name of Jesus is sort of like climbing up into our Father's, Heavenly Father's lap. And then God says to us, come on, my child, tell me what's on your mind. 
and I'll act on your behalf. Through Jesus, we have access to our Heavenly Father. Just as the people around the President of the United States or the people that are around the governor of our state, just as they have access to the president or to the governor because they're trusted advisors, right? So also our God, through Jesus, considers us trusted advisors of his. Jesus has opened up the Father's heart for us. And now by our faith in Jesus, we're right up there with God, on his throne, on his lap, right? And God loves it when we come to him and open up our hearts to him and talk to him. What a reason for joy that is. Now there are two contents to our prayer that we see here in our scripture text this morning. Requests and thanksgivings. We open up our hearts to God with requests. You know, with with things that we ask for. And we open up our hearts to God with the giving of thanks to him. Now the reason for the request is quite obvious. Look at the tremendous needs that we have in life. Physical, emotional, spiritual, relational, right? We couldn't make, one, make it one single day without our God. And so we cry out unto him. We holler to him daily for everything that we need, for our food and for our clothing, for protection and health, for forgiveness and meaning for this daily life of ours. For breath itself, we pray to God. You see, prayer is really an act of humility where we simply throw ourselves on our God and depend on him for everything. But then when we ask, lo and behold, God gives. And that's why we give thanks, right? We have so much to thank our God for in so many different areas of our life. And our thanksgiving is is full of joy that our God gives us so generously. And so beautifully. You know, just a few weeks ago, we celebrated a national holiday of Thanksgiving. But I hope your Thanksgiving hasn't ended with that. All we need to do to be reminded to give thanks is open up our eyes and open up our ears. In fact, open up all of our senses to how much God has provided for us. And even if God says no to our requests, and quite often he does, doesn't he? Huh? He still has answered those prayers. Because even when God says no to our prayers, that's an answer. And he does so because he loves us. And he wants to give us what is the absolute best for us. Yeah, sometimes we can see that. And sometimes not. But we have his word to us that tells us. He hears and he answers every single prayer for our good that are offered to him in the name of Jesus. Finally, there's a third reason in our scripture this morning why we are to rejoice in the Lord always, and that's in verse 5 of our text, when Paul writes, Let your gentleness be known, be evident to all. The Lord is near. God tells us today to rejoice in the Lord always because his return is near. Now, in a certain sense, his return is near because it's already coming this Sunday, Christmas Day. Because every Christmas, you see, is really kind of a return of Jesus to us with his gospel. 
And that's why we prepare for Christmas with this whole Advent season. This is the time to get ready for his return, his coming of Jesus, with this emphasis on repentance so that we can receive Christ properly. But also the return of Jesus can be thought of in a more general, futuristic way. That day of return of Jesus, you see, will be the day for us, the day that you and I die. And when we leave this world. For you, for you and me, you see, that's our own personal day of judgment. Our own personal day when Jesus appears to us and takes us to eternal glory. For that day when we close our eyes and breathe our last, to us, that's really judgment day. And my friends, that day is near. Whether you're 80 years old or only 8 years old. For after all, what are a few years here on this earth compared to the millions and millions of years in eternity? The day of the Lord is near for us. And the older we get, the more we know how those years just fly right on by. And every Christmas that we celebrate reminds us, Jesus is coming back to this earth for me. Huh? Not as a little baby in a manger, huh? but as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, right? And every Christmas, therefore, brings us one year closer to the Lord's return. And for us, that's a reason for rejoicing. For as Christians, you see, we can be happy as we get older. We can rejoice as those years fly by. For soon and very soon, we'll be seeing our Jesus face to face in glory. We'll be celebrating with him and with all believers these eternal joys of heaven. Because when we die, we leave this, this sinful nature part of us. We leave that behind. That stays in the grave, right? We escape the assaults of our world on our faith and we'll be forever separated in heaven from any attacks of Satan. All those reasons why we cry and moan and see how hard life is here on this earth, they'll all be gone, huh? And we'll have perfect joy and eternal glory. Now as we anticipate this next life in glory, we can rejoice in the Lord right now. Those two thoughts are not mutually exclusive. They're mutually inclusive. Being focused on heaven doesn't mean we hate life here on this earth. It's just the opposite. For we know that the problems of this life, they're just temporary. As the old saying goes, this too shall pass. And so when pain comes to us, and when wars occur out there in the world, when terrorism threatens our country, when violence appears to rule in our world, remember, this too shall pass. Our world will not go on forever like this. Our life will not go on forever like this. My life as it is now will not go on in this kind of a condition because the Lord, you see, is near to all of us. Rejoice in the Lord always. His return is near. And whatever your situation is right now in life, no matter how old you are or 
how young you are, huh? no matter how much you have in the way of material possessions or how little you have in the way of material possessions, no matter what God has in store for you and for our country in this upcoming new year of 2023, God tells all of us today, rejoice in the Lord always. Because this Jesus, whose birth we are about to celebrate, he is your Savior, and he's your God, and he's your ultimate reason for living and ultimate reason to rejoice. And so I pray for all of you that he would give all of you joy this Christmas season because of him. Amen.